When Natalie was in grade eight, she and her boyfriend broke up. And she explained why in her diary. Me and Mark broke up like a year and a bit. I hate him. He dumps me a week before my birthday so I wouldn't have to buy me a good present. That's Natalie reading from the diary she kept in grade eight. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. It's a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Toronto, we have romance with an older man, poetry about a deadly virus, and a love letter that was written but never sent. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and like a teenage breakup excuse, it can be both heartbreaking and not very well thought out. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. Support for this podcast comes from the IT experts at CDW, people who get it. At CDW, we get the future workplace works differently. Today's my first day back. Almost forgot what floor we were on. Understandable. But with modern health and safety technology orchestrated by CDW, the future can work better. Technology like thermal screening and occupancy tracking enables employees to walk confidently into the office. Wait, this isn't my floor. Is this even my building? Even if it's been a while. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash work. Joining us on stage right now, we are going to hear a journal entry from Chris, written when he was 14 years old. And this is a journal entry written at a time in Chris's life when he was trying to figure out if he was gay or not. He figured it out partway through writing this journal entry. Please welcome Chris to our stage. November 11th, 2008. I think I might be gay. I don't know. It started last year when I started beating the bush. (laughs) At first it was girls. I thought about it, but then I started to question myself. What if I was gay? I tested this theory by putting up a picture of a guy in his underwear. I started and I wasn't getting off. So I threw away the idea, never to think of it again. Then, a few months later, I had a strange, erotic dream about one of my friends and me, and well, you get it. After that day, I couldn't look at him the same way again. Then came the internet. Golly. Uh, One of my best friend's names, if you type in www.yournamehere.com, we were playing that game, his name is the name of a gay porn site. And well, I'm thankful for his name. (laughs) But the day after New Year's, let's say I got caught by my mom. I wasn't doing anything. I was just looking, you know? God, I hope no one reads this. (laughs) So yeah, I didn't do that again for another 10 to 11 months. uh, When I got my laptop. I didn't use it for stuff like that, but I discovered fan fiction, and well... There's some very naughty fan fiction. (laughs) Enough said. The more I read, the more I came to realize that I actually might be gay. After fanfics, well, Google Images gave me a lot to work with, too. So yeah, while writing this, I came to realize, wow, I've had an erection this whole time. (laughs) 
And there we are, in this journal. I'm out. Do you hear me? I'm gay. Uh, This stays just between you and me, all right? (laughs) If this gets out, I'm effed. So yeah, but there's still a chance I might be straight. Because uh, here in Toronto, they're much hotter than in Oakville at the time I had just moved from Oakville to Toronto. <laughs> I mean, seriously, no wonder I was having gay thoughts. <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of girls that I like here too, not in Oakville though. But also, I do like the guys here more than the girls on some days. Because here, the guys are premature ejaculation hot. Some, not all. Uh, there's this one guy, he's only in two of my classes, so I don't know him that well, but hot damn is he ever fine. But I know he's not gay. Well, there are some signs that do qualify him. My, day, my gaydar is going off around him. But I don't want to make the first move because it'd be awkward, spelling A-Q-U-A-R-D, <laughs> after if he doesn't like me back. Plus, I'll be known as a phage the rest of my high school. Spelling. <laughs> Uh, why can't it be like in fanfics? Uh, you see each other, one makes a move, they share a deep, passionate kiss. God, I need to get a life. I've been reading way too many fanfics. <laughs> uh, I need to stop fantasizing and actually get a boyfriend. But I don't want to be labeled a phage, again spelling. Uh, they'll eat me alive. So just a girlfriend then. That'll work. I know what girls like. It'll be easy. I have a natural instinct on how to compliment girls. My mother trained me well. (laughs) Ah, this feels good to write. You know, uh, I've been feeling really distressed. The only thing wrong is I'm scared that my brother that I share a room with is gonna see this or someone's gonna walk in on me and write this. If you're reading this without my permission, please don't tell me or let me catch you because this is really embarrassing. Again, spelling. Just forget you ever saw this. KK, thanks. P.S. God, if you're reading this, I'm sorry for sinning. Just trying to get that out of the way. Thank you. After the show, I asked Chris if he could go back in time, what would he tell his teenage self? Uh, I'd tell him to, you know, just keep being yourself. Uh, a, A lot of uh, what held me back as a young kid was trying to be what other people wanted me to be. And uh, at, I reached a certain point in high school where I was kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to be who I am, and that's that. And uh, I felt like the more comfortable I've gotten with myself, the more, uh, the better that the better reception I get from other people, and the better I feel. So just like stop caring about what other people think of you, uh, and also forget about girls. You don't. Well, you don't need them. One of my favorite things about teenage writing is the speed of emotional change. How, in a single page, one incredibly strong feeling 
can flip into its complete opposite. From love to hate, from confidence to uncertainty, from the highs of teenage optimism to the depths of pubescent angst. Our next reader, Mansa, is a great example of exactly that. At our Toronto show, Mansa shared a few excerpts from the diary she kept in junior high when she was 12 and 13. And in the more than 30 years since she first wrote those diary entries, nobody had ever heard these until today when Mansa read them to her mother. You're going to get to hear them right now. Please welcome Mansa to our stage. A quick heads up, Mansa uses some cuss words in her diary, which we do not bleep. September 10th, 1985. Aunt Jay is such a bitch. She probably just wants to show off to her friends that her daughter slash niece goes to Forest Hill. Well, I hate it. I hate the kids and the teachers. I hate the fact that I have to take the bus to school when I could easily walk down the fucking street. I hate the fact that I have two fucking years here. The longest I've ever been in a school is three years. Most people I know have been in the same school all their life. I hate life. I wish I could have it all my way. I wish my wishes would come true now, right now. September 11th, 1985. I still can't stand life, so who cares about anything? (laughs) I wish I was skinny and pretty and guys liked me and I lived with both my parents and I went to Winona Junior High and I had beautiful clothes. I do like one guy in this school, though. His name is Cornell. February 14th, 1986. I got this note from a guy I like. His name is Rain and he's gorgeous. He looks exactly like Prince. His eyes are light brown and big, just gorgeous. September 28th, 1986. So I just wanted to update you. I'm still at Forest Hill and I love it. Aunt Jay was right. I don't even think about Winona anymore. I don't exactly love life, but I don't hate it. Remember Rain, the love of my life from grade seven? Well, he's in grade nine now and he goes to Northern Secondary. He visited on Friday the 22nd. Well, before I go on, let me tell you what happened last year. A girl named Stacy came to the school and was also in love with Rain. She was white and she had hazel eyes and was short and she ran track, exactly the opposite of me. He liked her and they went out. I was sort of upset, but I got over it. Anyway, on Friday he visited, and it was like a test for me to see if I still liked him. I didn't. I guess it must be easier for a person to get over someone if they don't go out with them. I bet I'm destined never to have one boyfriend until I've gone through menopause and can't have children. I have noticed that all the guys I like hate me and all the guys I don't like are in love with me. Anyway, I gotta run because Dr. Ruth, sexually speaking, is coming on now. Bye. November 25th, 1986. I hate this shit called life. I did move back in with daddy and mummy might be coming back. I think, I hope, I wish. Thank you. That's it, ladies and gentlemen.
you can separate pretty much all kid writing into one of two categories. First, there's the stuff that kids write for themselves because they want to, because they want to express their thoughts and feelings and they want to use writing as a way to explore and figure out the world. And then there's the stuff kids write because they have to, because their parents or their teachers or somebody else in their life made them write it. When our next reader, Tegan, was in grade nine, she wrote a number of poems, not because she wanted to, but because she had to, for school. All of these are limericks, correct? (laughs) And each and every one of them is about Ebola. Please welcome Tegan to our stage. Uh, So this was May 29th, 2000. Poem number one, The Flu. I had a really bad flu. I thought all my treatments were through. My doctor, he lied. I almost died. Now what am I to do? (laughs) Poem number two, Bill. It started with my friend Bill. He went to Africa and became ill. Ebola he did catch, an antidote they could not fetch, and now his body is still. (laughs) Teacher's note, as this was graded, a little corny for a poem about Ebola. Number three, flower power. It began with my best friend, Faye. She went to Africa one day. She found a very rare flower, its pollen had the power, and she put Ebola away. Poem four, sneeze. My dad has bad allergies. Cats, dogs, anything with fleas. His face goes bright red, reactions he seems to dread. Thank goodness he's not allergic to me. (laughs) Poem number five, The Fly. Yesterday I brought a few ties. On them was a strange mix of dyes. The pattern was staph, the disease. It looked like a raft and it's transmitted by flies. Teacher's note, entire poem circled, Tegan, exclamation point. I'm just going to forget you wrote this one. (laughs) Thank you. Did you come here tonight expecting to hear five limericks about Ebola? (laughs) Because I didn't. That was super weird and lovely and mildly insensitive. I thought that was so, so great. Jeans. They're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. 
I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest series, we're unzipping how Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler managed to take workman's wear from the frontier to the runway and closets around the world. Join us for Denim Wars. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. When Ariana was 16, she was in a relationship with an older man, a guy in his 20s. And that relationship inspired Ariana to write a poem, which she shared on stage at our Toronto show. Starts off kind of funny and then ends a little cringy, she says. Please welcome Ariana to our stage. A quick heads up, Ariana's poem includes some cuss words, which we do not bleep. Honest confessions on falling madly and hopelessly into your first love, or how to complete the task of telling the difference between infatuation and affection, because trust me, that shit is hard. A rookie's guide to dealing with soul-crushing heartache, or how to love yourself. One, I'm really bad at gardening. Like, really bad at gardening, like I bought a succulent once because of how low maintenance they're supposed to be, and I killed it bad at gardening. But when you cultivate a crush like a plant, it'll grow. It'll turn into desire, then devotion, and you'll think your green thumb is finally getting a little bit greener. Then you'll do something stupid like falling in love with that plant, and it'll die. All that <laughs> All the you'll be left with is some dirt in an old pot, and you'll be left wondering if that plant ever even existed at all. Two, having a big sword collection doesn't really mean much if you don't know how to handle a weapon. <laughs> Three, I have never found you sexier than when you play me your electric guitar, struggle to fill awkward silences, or tell me that I am wrong. Four, just something to keep in mind, just like a little tidbit of human decency to keep with you. If someone asks you out, don't reject them and ask for sex instead. Don't reject them because you think it's morally wrong to date a teenager when you're, when you're in your 20s and offer up just the thing that makes it morally wrong. They deserve more than being the thing you're too ashamed to talk about, but that doesn't stop you from taking exactly what you want when no one else is around to know about it. Five, please bear my advice in mind because she's going to say yes. She'll agree to a relationship she can't maintain because she's young, hopeful, and in love with you. She'll smile and pretend that her heart isn't shattering when you tell her not to kiss you goodnight. You'll both be happy for a little while with you getting some much needed physical affection and her getting to spend every night of the week with the man she loves, but just when you start wondering if you should stop fooling around with children, she'll be wondering if you still see her as a child. After all, you're definitely not treating her like one. She won't be expecting you to leave and when you do, she'll be broken. Six. Listening to how hot you think my coworkers are isn't exactly a turn on. Seven, the one time you told me to lie to your parents about my age if they happened to come home, see me, and ask, I should have left you. The day after when you drove me to work in your mom's car because you didn't want people to recognize that I really should have left you. I didn't ask to be your dirty little secret when you're so in love with someone that you start replacing words like unhealthy with compromise, you'll begin to forget your own name. Eight. The first excuse you gave me about why we couldn't be together was that I'd look bad on your resume. The second was that you didn't know me well enough to be really into me. I should have just given up then because fast forward four months later, you call me a best friend. You tell me things you don't tell anyone else. You know me well enough to spend the night. You're working a full-time job and yet we're still not together. I thought that my age was still making you an easier, that I had done something to make you an easy. It never occurred to me that you'd always be uneasy or that you'd be lying to get me to sleep with you. I think that's because I still thought you were a good person then. Nine, I don't know why my heart still tells me that you're a good person. 
10. I should have known better than to love the guy who called me a pretty girl while I called him my favorite man. Should have known better than to think that I'd be different. Should have known better than to believe you when you said you cared. Should have known better than to think we'd still be friends. I mean, why would you need a little girl when you finally found someone your own age? 11. It's a daily struggle not to start crying in public whenever I see a happy couple holding hands. I'm constantly reminding myself that you never hold my hand in public anyways, and that the only kisses I'd ever get from you would be in the dark because you held onto your ego like you should have held me. 12. How can I not be reminded of you when everything reminds me of you? I quit my job for you. I couldn't stand seeing all the faces I'd heard you talk about, the friends, the crushes, the old lovers, and all the exes you spoke fondly of. Like when two of your old girlfriends hadn't heard from you in a while and were wondering about what you've been doing, and I just wanted to show me, but don't worry, I've kept myself your dirty little secret. 13. The next time someone begins to cry in front of you, don't sigh and tell them it'll only get worse. They don't need brutal honesty right now. All they need is for you to hold them close and to tell them it'll be okay. 14. It was only after you left that I realized my age isn't something to hate about myself. It wasn't the reason you weren't with me. It was your convenient excuse. My age wasn't pointing out how much I sigh or how much I'd benefit from doing a few sit-ups. You were. Being 16 wasn't filling me with false hope only to pull it away on a nightly basis. That was you. I really don't think that a number is capable of grabbing me by the wrist and calling me a whore. You were the person encouraging bad decisions. You were the one telling me that my feelings weren't valid. You were the only one benefiting from this friendship, and guess what? I deserve more. I had to cover up so much to be with you that I no longer knew who I was. Thank you. The reason I chose to read this piece is because it really captured my feelings at the time, which were really so deep and intense. This piece is everything I wanted to tell him, but I, I never could. I was freshly heartbroken about ending a very casual relationship with an older guy that I was head over heels in love with. And because of my age, uh, he had said he only wanted something casual. He didn't want and he didn't want me to tell anyone about it. And because these were my first real feelings at all, like my first infatuation or first feelings of love, I just, I went with it. It was my first relationship and my first heartbreak. He, and he ended it And this guy, he meant the world to me at the time. He, and he ended it just by starting to ignore me and I was absolutely crushed. And it was just then hitting me that this man never really cared about me. And he was only saying the things that he did to get what he wanted. And, that was a really tough realization for me to make. If I could give myself some advice, I'd tell myself not to rush into being an adult. I'd tell myself to, to, to let yourself be a teenager. Don't rush into relationships that you aren't ready for. If a man in his 20s is even entertaining the idea of being in a relationship with a 16-year-old, then he isn't the kind of man you want to be with. You want to enjoy being on your own. And I promise the right man will come to you. Thank you. Our next reader, Jessica, brought along a couple of pieces of writing from when she was a tween and a teen. First, we're going to hear a letter to her very first crush that she wrote in her diary but never actually sent when she was 12. We're going to hear a diary entry written at 14 years old that includes literary analysis of a pink song. (laughs) And if there's time, we're going to hear a poem written when she was 16. Please welcome Jessica to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote as Kids stage. 
A letter to Matt he will never, ever get. November 10th, 2002. Dear Matt, I am very happy for you and Sarah. I just wanted you to know that I am not who you think I am. There is something about you that makes me so happy I shake, and something inside me screams. Because of this, I have never been able to show you the real me. 80% of what I've done slash said to you has been faked. The first time we were talking and you started to like me, that was the real me. When I said Sarah and I are alike, I wasn't lying. We could almost be twins. But you were amazing, and I didn't know what you were looking for in a girl. So I made up some slut in my head, and then I tried to become her. And I hate myself because I'll never know what could have happened if I hadn't acted that way. Well, now you know. I think you're amazing for no reason, and hopefully you'll have a better idea of who I am. Sarah is very, very lucky. Be good to her. Kiss, kiss, Jessica. P.S. The new song by Simple Plan makes me cry. <laughs> Listen to it carefully. I want to sing it to you. Every word is true. January 2nd, 2004, 1.11 a.m. in my bed. I was listening to Pink's CD today, and in one of her songs, she says, if God is a DJ, life is a dance floor. <laughs> Love is a river, and you are the music. Which is so true, <laughs> because God, the creator of life, slash you, is the DJ, he creates the music, which would be you. And then life is like a dance floor because you are always moving and stuff and busy and full of people. And love is like a river because it is always moving and ever changing. You are the music because you make the beat, which controls how slow or fast the dance floor is. And then you control the type of people on that dance floor in your life. I really like that song. The first time we kissed, it was like fire in a dry wood. It spread quickly to every part of my flesh. Everything from my lips to my toes tingled with emotion. It felt like a two-year-old weight that had been lifted off my shoulders. I could have made love to him right then and there, but we waited. Not long, but we did wait. <laughs> Making love to him is beyond amazing. Everything seems perfect if I just let myself relax and stop thinking. Dirty sheets and dirty windows. <laughs> naked chest and naked toes. <laughs> breathing deep and breathing heavy. Lay me down, take it slow. Thank you. When Romina was in grade eight, she kept a diary. And in that diary, she wrote down her feelings about each and every boy she was interested in at the time. Dear diary, it's so nice to finally just let all my emotions out to someone. I'm just so confused. 
By that, I mean in the love genre. <laughs> I just really want something good to happen. But what it comes down to is that I have so many mixed up feelings. I don't know, so please help me, diary. Right now, I don't know, but I think I have a thing for a number of guys. <laughs> At times, I just feel differently, I guess. I remember in grade six, when we were all telling each other, the girls, who we liked, Alana said something along the lines of, you're only allowed to like one guy, when I mentioned that I liked two guys. So anyways, back to my love problem. <laughs> I'm going to explain my feelings for each of the guys because this seems like the easiest way to do all of this. Jared. I don't really know how to explain it all, but I think all of the girls, except maybe Audrey and Jennifer, could see themselves going out with him. He's the really friendly, outgoing, there for you, and even sometimes crazy kind of guy. He can easily get us laughing. A memory of this year with him is photo day. When we lined up in rows taking our picture, before the person took our picture, he did the classic yawn move, where you put your hands over their shoulder. So he did that to me and Jesse. It was just sort of sweet and awkward at the same time. He might not have realized, but it made me feel really good. It's sort of hard to figure out if he likes me or not. I mean, he's like Tori and Massey in the past and probably still does now, so it wouldn't be too strange if he still did. I guess I sort of want him to like me. Zach. It's sort of a strange situation with Zach. Although he bothered me and just did all these things little kids do to each other, I still kind of feel a bond. <laughs> I remember Miss Levy saying that they were just doing all this because it's their way of flirting, them being Scott, David, and Zach. I'm just so scared because of his violent problems. <laughs> I mean, I've seen his sweet side with little kids, so I feel as though it is all kind of a tough guy act. There's times where I find him so funny. We also have these little kid smiles. Whenever we look at each other, we just sort of smile. It's not a normal sort of smile. <laughs> it's different. Jesse. I don't have many feelings for Jesse. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that he's opening up and talking more. I remember in grade four, he was very talkative to girls as well as boys. Over the years, he just sort of limited it to boys, more or less. I'm not saying that he only talked to boys, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I just wanted to acknowledge his progress, that's all. And if it goes further than that, then it does. Austin. I just wanted to mention that I've lost all love emotions for Austin. He's just not what I like. That's all I wanted to say. Another issue I wanted to tackle is the whole love thing right now. Okay, so in younger grades, we meant it when we said we didn't like different guys. Sure, we had little crushes, but not big feelings like this. At this age, we say we don't like anyone, but we really do inside because we're afraid of being rejected. It's just so confusing. I'll need all the help I can get. Ramina, P.S. Thanks again, Diary. Thank you.
Am I the only one who's scared shitless of Zach? <laughs> Creepy smile, dark past, violent problems. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Transact Club in Toronto and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our associate producer is Olivia Nashmi. Our music is by Pottington Bear and Lullatone. And our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. If all of this sounds like fun, why not be part of a live Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids event? We have a bunch of upcoming shows planned, and we may be headed to your neck of the woods. For all of the details, check out the website, grownups.fm. That's grownups.fm, or use the link in the episode notes on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.